everyone, and thank you for joining us for our Dimensions of Wellness podcast series, where we talk about the eight dimensions of wellness and how they can help lead to a balanced and empowered lifestyle. This is your host, Jamini Patel, and I am a nephrology medical science liaison here at Otska Pharmaceuticals. In today's episode, we will be delving into the eighth dimension of wellness, social wellness. And our featured guest for this important conversation is none other than Hannah Graves. Hannah Graves is a native of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and graduated with a Bachelor of Arts in Psychology in 2009, followed by a master's degree in social work from the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee at the Helen Bader School of Social Welfare. Hannah has significant experience working in hospice, short-term rehab, and in dialysis from 2016 to 2019. Currently, Hannah works for Apex Health Innovations, a global healthcare technology company, and Piedmont Transplant Institute, supporting patients through their transplant journey. Thank you very much for being here today, Hannah. We really appreciate your time and are excited that you're here. Oh, I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course, anytime. And yeah, so we're talking about social wellness today. And, you know, social wellness is really all about spending time with loved ones, giving back to the community, really taking an interest in others to form meaningful relationships that fulfill our lives. I've personally noticed that as I get older, this is possibly one of the most difficult forms of wellness to achieve and maintain, especially considering how busy our lives are and where our jobs may take us. I can only imagine that if it's this challenging for those of us who, you know, knock on wood, don't have a chronic or acute illness to contend with, how impossible it must feel for those with a chronic illness, possibly life-changing illness, such as kidney disease. Have you noticed that your patients seem to withdraw from their social lives and even loved ones as they progress through kidney disease or if they're receiving dialysis? Such a great point, Jamie. Yes, you know, social, being social is kind of, perceived as almost like a, a like a luxury or like something you do like when you have time but we are a social being we are a society we are meant to interact that's kind of our point that's why you know we we live in in kind of you know towns and communities and even if you're out you know in the country bless you somewhere peaceful you know you still interact with people because that's who we are that's how we were you know biologically created and so oftentimes when you don't feel well when you're just ugh, or you know you had a dialysis session that literally drained the energy out of you you just don't feel like doing social things and then it almost compounds against you because well then you didn't go out and see people and and laugh and and be relaxed and hear the news and see the kids and learn about the family maybe you went home and went to bed which is fine in the short term but you got to get out of bed and remember why it is that you're you're here and you're here to be a part of your life and part of your life is your your family your neighbors your friends your church community the um the community center whatever it is that that pulls you to to be happy and to be joyful you know remember to plug into that. And that is so easy to do when you don't feel well. Um, and particularly when you find it difficult to explain maybe your absence, like you just can't go back and quote unquote face everybody and tell them. And the funny thing is, is, you, you know, we forget 
that we love others just as we are loved. And so if you were to say to your people like, hey, I don't feel well because I'm on dialysis and they'd be like, I didn't know that you were sick. You don't look sick. I don't know anything different. And and if one of my loved ones told me that they, you know, were sick and I didn't realize it, I might be kind of upset at them for withholding this information. So I just, you know, always it makes me sad to see when you don't feel well, you know, you pull away and then you pull away because you don't feel well and you keep pulling away because you already pulled away. And so it just really compounds. And so in order to kind of break that cycle, you got to remember that your people are there for you and they want to support you. They may not understand and you may have to do kind of some, um, some education, if you will, but, um, you know, please remember to plug into your community. They're there for a reason. Yeah, I think you bring up a fantastic point, especially, you know, with our community or faith-based groups. I think there's a lot of help to be had if you just ask for it. And, and you know, we were talking earlier, just reaching out. Um, you know, sometimes I feel like our day-to-day has become so much about just going through the motion, right? You get up, have breakfast, go to work, come home. If you're lucky, throw in a workout if you're able to, or cook some dinner, and then watch TV and go to bed. I feel like that's become a staple, especially of the American lifestyle. And we forget that we need to socialize on the regular to be fulfilled, right? Have meaningful relationships that bring, you know, color to our lives and bring different perspectives and most importantly, bring friends and with that help Um, if we need it and understanding. And I can imagine that it's challenging to, you know, break that shell, especially with your family, breaking an illness to them. Um, You know, the fear of maybe facing some judgment or the fear of feeling pitied, if you will. Um, But realizing that, you know, sometimes we need to do that to get some, some, some support systems or help. And I think if we can only encourage not just patients, but everyone to be a little bit more social, it would really kind of help us out of the ruts that we often find ourselves in. And I know, you know, for myself being an introvert, this can be really difficult to do. Um, You know, why do you think it's important, even for those of us who, you know, for it might be challenging to engage socially, why do you think it's imperative to care for one's social wellness? And how can this improve one's overall health, especially if they're facing an uphill battle such as, you know, CKD, for example? Really, really great questions. And, you know, even applicable to other chronic and acute disease states other than kidney disease is, you know, we as people, we're very private, tend to be, we tend to be very stubborn. And we also kind of want to be protective. Like we don't want to burden people with our troubles and our problems. And, and so often it's not a burden to share what's going on with you. You know, when someone asks you, how are you respond, you know, I'm okay, but you know what? It's come to my attention that I'm going to need a kidney transplant. That is like a really big thing to try to wrap my brain around. And then someone be like, you know, a kidney transplant, you look fine. Like I had no idea you had something going on with you. And as an introvert myself, I love to be home and in the peace and quiet of my familiar surroundings. 
I find that when I when I go out, even just to the grocery store to get gas or whatever I may need, just having that pleasantry exchange with the pharmacist or or the grocer or whoever I may be coming in contact, like I smile and I, you know, engage and I'm listening and I may, you know, even get a giggle off of something someone says and that releases endorphins in your brain and you just feel better. And like it's such a silly, maybe 30 second exchange, but it, it, it does something to you like physically. And so if you can just give yourself opportunities and sometimes it hurts, sometimes someone says something probably a little silly that you probably weren't prepared to hear. Like, uh, um, gosh, I can't even think of something noxious at the moment, but I'm sure it would come to me in, in a second, but you know, like for example, like say you do in-center dialysis and you have, you know, your fistula bandage on and someone says something like, whoa, did you get into a fight? And you're like, uh, yeah, the fight of my life. And, and, you know, and it's just someone maybe trying to break the ice with you. So try to give some forgiveness and grace if someone's trying to be socially interactive with you, but may not have the correct word. So I just can't say enough that we are full bodied people in the sense that we have all of these needs, emotional, physical, mental, social, occupational, you talk about them all here and you have to fuel all of them. And you may have a bigger gas tank for your occupational needs than your social needs, but you still have a reservoir of need for that social. And it's important, even if you consider yourself not a social butterfly, there's a piece of you that's just biologically wired to want to be a part of, of a group. And I just encourage you to give yourself an opportunity. And it doesn't have to be, you know, you don't have to go to a concert or a play or sit somewhere where there's a lot of people if you have some, you know, kind of concerns about that. But just really challenge yourself to get out, go to the mailbox, wave to the neighbors, say hello, maybe find out their name. Maybe your goal this week is to find out the new neighbor who moved in across the street what is their name and just put that on your to-do list and when you accomplish that give yourself a lot of praise for going out and stepping outside your you know your comfort zone so just kind of wanted to speak to that and how it doesn't have to be you at a club at 2 a.m you know dancing the night away it can be as something as simple as you know greeting someone that you may normally have kept your your eyes down so just uh, remember that others are also dealing with stuff, for lack of a better word, and you have your stuff. And if we can just give each other some grace and acknowledgement, I think you would feel better. And that would fuel other parts of you as well as getting out and doing more things. So it's very much cyclical. And I appreciate having these conversations because we just, we don't talk about this. We just don't. Mm -hmm. We don't No, you're absolutely right. And, and you brought up a good point earlier about how we are, you know, hardwired to be social beings, you know, babies sometimes just cry because they want to be held. Right. And so, you know, we often think I feel like as we get older that our social time or our hobbies, what we like to do outside of our home for enjoyment, we look at that as rewards, right, for a productive week or finishing a project at work or whatever it may be, right, like taking a vacation, maybe a, a reward for getting a promotion, I don't know, but we need to, I think, stop looking at it as, an, as a reward and start looking at it as a vital piece of our 
life and our health. And I think with that perspective, you know, it'll change how we view engaging with our community and kind of taking those steps to do that. But, you know, I think a lot of that is is a little easier said than done. You know, you and I both kind of mentioned how we're introverts and it can be hard. And oftentimes social engagements, even those with family, I know socializing with my family can be challenging, but, and it can be incredibly overwhelming and exhausting, especially for those of us who do identify as introverts. And this can sometimes even just be a deterrent uh, leading to loneliness and isolation. And I can't imagine that that makes an illness worse. And, you know, especially if if you don't have the coping skills, what steps can you suggest? And you did allude to this, uh, you know, previously, what steps can you suggest to patients to help them begin or maintain social relationships and activities when it just seems so darn daunting? I am right there with you, Jamie. I find that my energy bucket by the end of the day after working and the inevitable loads of laundry and dishes and meals and so on that you might just ready to be sit to sit down and then that's okay. And I just encourage you to not sit down day after day after day because we as people are just not meant to sit around. And I think that's the part that when you get yeah. tired, you want to sit down and just be, which totally has its time and place. But I'm encouraging us, and I'm speaking to myself as well, to to keep challenging ourselves to reach out. And like I said before, sometimes you got a bad experience and just let it go. It was probably someone in a bad space themselves. And maybe by letting it out, they Mm. now feel better and we're able to move forward better with somebody else. Not that you deserve a negative experience, but we are imperfect beings. We are doing the best that we can. At least I like to think that we are. And I just really encourage you to not miss the big things, family reunions. Yeah, there's a lot of personalities in a family. And it's so (laughs) interesting that you could be related to someone who acts so extremely different than you, but set yourself some limits, right? Like, okay, I'm going to go for the first hour. And if I'm feeling good, I'll stay. But if not, I'm going to have to excuse myself because um, that way you have kind of a finite boundary in your mind and you can kind of gauge as you're going as opposed to just not going at all. And I know that that happens a lot to us, you know, and sometimes you need it. Sometimes you just can't right now and you take a step back and that's a great assessment but I really encourage like connecting with family especially with you know the generations that make up a family we have so much to learn from each other and our experiences you know kids today have a very different world they're growing up when than than my parents or my grandparents or myself and we can talk about that and learn from each other within the safety of our family unit or even high school reunions, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. that would be a really neat thing for you to do to step back and, and remember some a time in your life, you know, that was completely different from the one that you're experiencing. So I, I challenge myself as well as I challenge those who are listening for us to just try to be more engaged in our community, because the hard part that we're finding is, is if we don't do it, and we don't, 
take care of those generations that have gone before us and teach those generations that are coming behind us, these practices are going to get lost. And that's Mm -hmm. so much about what defines us as people and cultures and times and generations is how we exchange information and share with each other. So it's just, it's up to us. If we don't like what we're seeing in the news or in the newspaper, if there's a lot of negativity, it's up to us to rewrite that narrative and have positive experiences that we can cite and speak to. And so I just, I challenge all of us, you know, if you're sick, you definitely don't have to have the pedal to the metal, but remember why you are here as a species and that you you are here and you are more than your illness and we still need you to be a part of our community. And so what that looks like can be set by you, but I just encourage you to stay connected, especially in those communities that meant so much to you prior to you getting sick. You bring up, yeah, that you bring up some excellent points there. And I, I really, really loved how you commented on setting boundaries you know I think that's something that we're beginning to learn I know you know as a millennial myself this has been a hot topic of conversation how do we set boundaries in our uh, personal lives with not just you know socializing but with work so that we can compartmentalize and prioritize our time and prioritize ourselves and I think it's so important to encourage patients that hey like you said you don't have to put the pedal to the metal and you know be on all you know on on go all the time you can take a step back and you know limit how much you socialize so that you can do it in your own way and understanding that you know others may not understand your boundaries or respect them, but your boundaries aren't there for other people. They're there to keep you happy and, you know, content in your, and peace, peaceful in your own life. And so I think encouraging those uh, kind of attitudes really can help some of our patients not see socialization as frustrating or discouraging, but rather encouraging, but encouraging in little chunks so that it's more manageable. Um, and I think, you know, it's great to obviously be connected with your family and your your community in whatever way that looks like to you. But sometimes, you know, patients often feel like it's them and their illness against the world. You know, they feel like they're living on an island and no one understands what they're going through, which is true in, in many ways. But how can patients connect with others who might be going through the same illness so that they feel like they have a community and people to open up to, you know, with those who get it, with those who understand, who don't need an explanation as to what that person might be going through. Excellent point, Jamie. You know, and we talked just momentarily ago about you are more than your illness. And and so you can connect with family over memories and what, you know, who's so-and-so, you know, doing and, you know, where are they going to school? And, and those are really important parts of your life. But also an important part is learning more about your illness so you can feel more in control and empowered and in understanding what's going on with you and to recognize when there's a you know a trouble situation and and when you can like move forward with you know new options like this is a great time of innovation and we're learning so much and so there really is a time and a place to connect with those that are 
going through things similarly as you, and that could be kidney disease. Um, a lot of people have different reasons why their kidneys stopped working. So perhaps, you know, if you have diabetes, connecting with others who have diabetes and have tips and tricks on how to manage that, because um, we are very seldomly just one thing, right? Like so many times when I talk patients, you know, like, they're like, you know, it's not really my kidney disease that bothers me, but I'm really having a lot of trouble um, managing my diabetes. Uh, you know, it's affecting my vision, my limbs, can't feel my feet. And so there's a lot of things that are outside kidney disease that only other people that are experiencing that can understand. And that's why I'm so excited about the tools and resources available. Um, I sit in on a lot of support groups, um, kind of as a fly on the wall, but also hopefully to offer for resources and education as needed, but just to learn about what are the pain points? What is the most struggles um, that we're facing and how can we address those? Because I honestly believe that we can problem solve through anything. We just kind of have to have all the information and you are absolutely right. So many times we think our family should understand what we're going through, but really can they? Like they aren't experiencing it personally and they love you and want to support you, but sometimes there are just limits on what they can do. Um, and having that expectation for them, it might be setting them up for failure. So reaching out to a community and the nephrology community is just wonderful and full of resources like the podcast we're doing today. Like what a wonderful opportunity to listen into this while you're washing dishes or maybe you're sitting on dialysis listening to this like there's you can multitask in a way that doesn't tax you and that's the greatest opportunity there are support groups virtually and in person all over the country that meet at different times include different people like for example you know just because you have kidney disease you might also you know really have a lot in common with someone who's also experiencing liver disease and is in need of um, like a liver transplant and that would maybe an amazing connection that you can make with someone that's outside of your social network who you never would have met before so just really want to encourage you that although you might feel like you're on an island you have a wonderful community that wants to love all over you and embrace you and pull you close and make sure that you feel like a part of the family because you know you didn't plan to have kidney disease no one wants to have kidney disease but since you have it here's you know a wonderful group of people who can talk to you that may have already been um, had a transplant and can talk to you about that process or you know perhaps they do home dialysis and what does that look like and um, would that be something of interest that would kind of ease the pain point of needing to go somewhere three times a week and so just really encourage you that yeah you might be different from your peers because you have this illness but you have have a, a family that you didn't know you had and you just have to just Google search it. Like there's just wonderful um, tools out there or, you know, talk with your nephrologist or if you are on dialysis, you know, your dialysis care team, um, they would love to connect you. 
um, and get you feeling better. Because if you're feeling better, then you're you're coming to your treatment, you're getting a good treatment, you're heading out and doing all the things that you can do because dialysis is helping you replace your kidney function. And what an amazing thing that we have a machine that can replace the function of your organs. You know, we don't have that for other disease states like poor, you know, liver patients. They you can't live without a liver. There's no machine to to take over that capability. So um, just really a lot to learn out there and you have it at your disposal more so than ever um, with our science and technology available to us. So I just, I hope that you um, build a bridge off of your island and let people come and visit you because there's, there's a lot to be had. Yeah, no, you bring up some wonderful, wonderful points there and resources. And, you know, one thing that I'd like to add to is, you know, there's organizations that patients can be a part of, like the, you know, when we talk about ADPKD or autosomal dominant polycystic kidney disease, we have the PKD Foundation and they have walks every year, you know, when you can be a part of that and get to know other patients uh, who have PKD and connect with them, connect with the community. And it can be a little challenging at first if, if it's not in within your comfort zone. But, you know, I, I just attended our walk, you know, just a couple of days ago here in Chicago. And what a wonderful wonderful community of patients who just want to share their stories and help everyone out and help other patients out with, you know, either coping through the disease or with resources or with recommendations for physicians, whatever it may be, just having that support group. I remember when I was a kid, we used to do the walk for diabetes or juvenile diabetes, really. So there's really these organizations out there for everyone to kind of be a part of. And, you know, if it's something that you're interested in, I highly encourage patients to participate in that. And, you know, talk to your physician or talk to your social worker or your your family about, you know, setting up a group and, you know, being a part of that organization. I think it would provide a lot of great social engagement and more importantly, a lot of support. Um, and I think, you know, that definitely will kind of help with, uh, the social aspect of, of, you know, people's lives and, and, and kind of moving forward in that regard. Uh, but Hannah, thank you so much for your time. What wonderful insights you gave us today, speaking on such an important topic. Thank you everyone for tuning in today. We hope you had some fun and learned something new during our eighth episode of this series. These podcasts are also available on Apple, Google, and Spotify, so be sure to like and subscribe to the Nephew podcast channel on whichever platform you use. And with that, thank you all again, and we look forward to seeing you on the next edition of our Dimensions of Wellness podcast. Thank you very much, Hannah. We really appreciate your time. Pleasure was all mine. Thank you. Thank you.